All right, tonight we're going to look at, um, we'll start in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. We'll start out here and we'll work our way towards Judges. Exodus 19 and verse 20. Would y'all, anybody like to read tonight? Got quite a bit of reading? <laughs> That's fine, Tony, you're fine. Let's see here, we'll start here in verse uh, 20 of chapter 19. It says, And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down and charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through and come up unto the Lord, lest he breaketh forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake to them. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and out of the house of bondage. And thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, or the likeness of anything that is in the heaven above, and that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of, of the fathers upon the children, unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will and not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days and shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day, the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, thou art, nor thy sons, nor thy daughters, nor thy manservants, nor maidservants, nor cattle, nor thy strangers that is within thy gate. For in the six days the Lord made the heaven, the sea, and in them, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, and that thy days shall be long upon the land which the Lord God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, and thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor manservant, nor maidservant, nor oxen, nor ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thundering and the lightning and the noise and the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear it. But let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, and that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. I know that was a rather lengthy reading there, but uh, 
the one thing I want us to, to draw mention of is that, of course, we know that this was when the Lord established the Ten Commandments. We're very familiar with this particular account. But this was the first time that the Lord had said about any kind of physical dictation that they should, the things that they should do and should not do. Um, he had delivered them thus far from the land of Egypt. And they were his people, and he had established that. But he wanted them to understand they couldn't serve any other gods. They couldn't do anything outside the bounds of this law that he had set for them. Of course, we know this was just the beginning of beginnings of the the writings of the law there that he established. These things, many of the governments of today's world now still hold some of these laws to be part of their governing doctrine. Uh, I know up until recent years, it was part of the United States government. It was some of the tenets that they held to. Um, you know, such things as not killing, not stealing, those things, bearing false witness. But we've seen that kind of change over the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years. But one of the things I wanted us to, to focus on is that this was for them to set aside and not, again, worship other gods. It was also that they would serve the Lord their God. They would honor their parents. They would uh, not kill, not commit adultery, not steal, not set false witness. This was the grounds, and, and they would keep the Sabbath holy that the Lord had made. That was the day that he rested. So he wanted his people to set up their service of worship with some of these, these key tenets here. And... You see here is the Lord proclaimed these that they scared the people. I don't know about y'all, but if I heard a lot of thunder and lightning like that and was standing there, I think I'd be pretty scared too. But they said, Don't let God don't let God talk to us, lest he lest he break forth on us. Hmm. But so Moses, he says, I said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak to us lest we die. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have said that. <laughs> but I, I'm sure given that situation, I might have felt a little differently. But any, any, anyways, not for chasing rabbits there. He says here that these things, these things had to come to pass. The Lord wanted to set, us, set apart his people. So we'll fast forward a little bit. We're going to go over into Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Verse 14. <clears throat> Verse 14 of Joshua 24. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and ye serve the Lord. Stop there. We're, we made mention back over there in the account in Exodus. He said, you shall serve no other gods before me, for I am a jealous God. Well, what, what do you think precipitated that? They served other gods. And the Lord didn't find any pleasure in that, did he? So he says, we'll continue on there in verse 15. It says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served 
that we are on the other side of the flood? Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said to God, said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he is, uh, he is this that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and that which those great signs in, in our side and preserved us in the way where we went and among all the peoples throughout whom we passed. The Lord drave out those from before us, all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God, and he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said to Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Yea, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And that they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, saith he, and stra uh, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord your God, uh, your God of Israel. So here we see a similar, a similar set of, of things proclaimed here about not serving another God and what would happen if they chose to do so. The Lord wanted to make it clear to them there was no deviation from serving him to moving to serve somebody else. What happened to Korah and his children? Those generations, they were swallowed up by the earth for their disobedience and rebellion against God. And that was even before the promised land. So you also see that with the flood. All those perished that served other gods and went after their own hearts. That's what the Lord was trying to tell them here. You, you're going to serve the, the, gods that have, the gods that they served before the flood? You're going to serve the God of the Amorites? You're going to serve me. There's a choice there. We have a choice but we're not free from those consequences should we choose to do otherwise. So the, the point, uh, point was here is that they were supposed to be sanctified and set apart for serving God. And the Lord wanted them to understand there are limitations to your service here. This is, this is the box, basically. You know, you, I want you to do these things and don't do them because I'll, I'm jealous. I want you to serve me. And he says, what? If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. In just a few minutes, we'll see what happens. So we're, we'll continue there in verse 24. It says, and the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up under an oak tree that was by the sanctuary of God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be witness unto us for that it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us and it shall also therefore a witness unto you lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart every man unto his inheritance. So not only were the people's witness of what they said, 
but also Joshua inscribed it on stone and set it as a what? As a witness and a memorial. As a sign of their covenant. So they already had a covenant with God. Why do they need another one? Well, there was something momentous about to happen. They were going in to possess their the land that the Lord had promised them. And it had been a long journey from the beginning of this, this exodus from, G, from Egypt. You know, uh, he wanted to understand just how serious it was to serve God. How many, how many times today do we we see people serve God and not truly understand the commitment they're making just because somebody wants them to. Um, it's part of our duty as the Lord's people when we have new people come in to explain to them the importance of that. What's the importance of serving the Lord? Wow. That's our that's a responsibility we hold. Not just me, but everyone in the amongst the, the number here. Because if not we're responsible for those individuals. They're responsible for their service, but we're, we're members one of a number, no, another, so we're responsible one to another. So Joshua's giving them charge here, and he's trying to make them understand that just, just how, how significant this, this covenant is before they go in to possess the land. It says there in verse 29, it says, And it came to pass after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance of Timnath-Serah, which is in the in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gosh. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which were the, of the, uh, the children of Israel, brought up out of Egypt, buried them in Shechem in the parcel of land which Jacob bought for the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinehas, his son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. So here we see the conclusion of the, of the writing of Joshua and the account of them getting ready to go and possess the land. So let's look over at Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. We'll start there in verse 1. It says, And an angel of the Lord came up to from Gilgal to Basham and said, I made you to go out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers and said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars and ye shall obey my voice. And why have ye done this? Wherefore I said, I will not drive them out before you. But they shall be as thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of the place Basham, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. 
And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elder that outlived Joshua and who unseen all the great works of the Lord and he did for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of the inheritance of Timnah Heres in that Mount of Ephraim and the north side of the hill of Gosh. And also all the generations were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. I'll stop there for just a minute. So you see here, we, there's a, an account there in the first chapter there that talks about some of the conquests and some of the problems that they had. Well, in their conquest, they chose not to drive out completely. You know, he, the Lord told them to get rid of all those inhabitants that were in the land. Why? Because they were going to be a problem for Israel. It was going to serve as nothing more than temptation and a problem. So he wanted to get rid of them, drive them to the land to kill them, what, you know, what he had told them to do, but they didn't do it. And what did he tell them there? First couple of verses in chapter two, we figure out, he says, they're going to be a thorn in your side and the religion is going to be a temptation. So what did he tell them back over in chapter 24 of Joshua? Serve me. Choose today who you serve. And what they say? Yes, we will serve the Lord. He says, all right. This is the covenant. This is what you've made. I'm a jealous God, and I'll take care of you if you, if you follow me. But if not, you're going to regret, basically regret your choice. And here we see already Joshua getting ready to, it was passed away, and now we see that, that right, they're right there. They've just passed this. And they're having problems. So he says, And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land, and ye shall throw down their altars, and but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? There's the question the angel, the messenger asked him. Why have you not done this? You were told to do this, and you haven't done it. And so he says, there it goes. You're going to be, it's going to be a trap for you. It's going to be a snare. <clears throat> so then we go down here to verse, verse six and it says they, they've served God. So they buried him in the border. They, when Joshua died, they buried him. And then we'll start in verse 11 there. It says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord, the God, their God, the God of their fathers, and which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods and the gods of other people that they were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers and that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could no, not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. And the Lord said, And as the Lord had sworn unto them, they were greatly distressed. What was the problem? They didn't live up to their, the, the, the agreement they had made. 
we've talked about this a number of times. I know, I know at least for me growing up from a little kid up to now, that when you make an agreement with somebody, that's an important thing. Two sides come together. They agree on something, you know, amicably. And if one violates it, guess what? You're in violation of a contract. We see this in business dealings. You see it with renters. You know, you see it at two people make a contract for you to go to work for a company. You see it with brokers. You see it with people coming to get your vehicle serviced. When one or one or more of the parties violates that, you, you break a contract. You typically don't do business after that. But thank thank the Lord that He's He's a generous God, even after we've fallen short. What did He want them to do? He wants them to acknowledge the sin that they had. But we see this time and time again, generationally. You'll have a generation that will serve the Lord. You have a generation that said that doesn't serve the Lord. It said there that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because it said there arose a generation afterwards that didn't know the Lord. And whose fault was that? It was a generation before they didn't teach the next generation. That was their shortcoming. They didn't teach the younger the, the younger generation coming up to serve the Lord their God and the covenant that they had with him. So that's when they violated it. And guess what? They were still responsible. The Lord said, you made an agreement with me and he was angry. And what did he do? He sold them into captivity. He gave them, he allowed their neighbors to lead them off into false worship. He defeated them in battle. They had trouble on every side, it seems like, doesn't it? Well, does that sound uh, does it sound familiar sometimes? Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. So let's go down to verse 16 of chapter 2. It says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, and they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked and obeyed the and out of the ways which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And then the Lord raised them up judges, and the and the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hands of their enemies all the days of the judge, for it repented it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reasoning of them being oppressed and vexed them. It came to pass when the judge was dead that they would return and corrupt themselves more than their fathers and following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. And they ceased not from their doings nor from their stubborn ways. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, because the people hath transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers and have not hearkened unto my voice, I also will not henceforth drive out anyone from among them before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through him, through them I might prove Israel whether they will keep the way of the Lord or to walk therein as their fathers did keep it. And therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered them into the hands of Joshua. Ouch. So they didn't separate themselves as the Lord their God had commanded them to. 
So who was the shame upon? It was upon the people. Why? Because God told them, set yourselves apart to serve me, get rid of all these other people, and do what I've told you to do. And guess what? I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. All you have to do is do this. But they couldn't even do it. Why do you suppose? There was a lot of distractions. It's hard to tell one thing from another. There were so many influences around those people. But it seems that it comes down generationally that they were not taught the appropriate way to worship and serve God and set themselves apart. That's where the struggle seemed to come in. And what do you tell them? He set a judge up. They do good. Why? Because the Lord was with the judge and he was a good leader. He would lead them. But when they pass away or they died, guess what happened? They went right back to it. So it was a vicious cycle. Do you suppose it was like a kid not taking their parents seriously when they get on to them? That's That's what it seems like. So he says, therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered them into the hand of Joshua. So he didn't run them off. He let them stay there. And he certainly didn't give them into the hand when they were in battle. So what's the moral of the, of the account there? Set yourselves apart. Remove the temptation. Remove the problem. It's a heart. It seems to be a heart condition, doesn't it? The less distractions we have, the less opportunity we have to to stumble. But we have to have the right mindset, the right heart heart set. Was it Colossians chapter 3 says? Keep our eye fixed on the things above, not on the things of this earth. We don't need to be like the other people. We need to be more like what the Lord wants us to be. So let's set ourselves apart for serving the Lord. That's what we need to do. What does it require? Intent, focus. I mean, that's what, that's what the scripture talks about, intent, intently focused on the Lord. It takes the faith like a mustard seed. Just like Brother Tony's post, I'll bring it up again because it just fits perfectly. They just done what they're supposed to do. Moses hadn't hit that rock. He was supposed to speak to it, wasn't he? Instead, he struck it twice. So guess what? They got they got they reaped the reaped the benefits of that. Moses got a one way ticket, and it wasn't to see the promised land that he was that the Lord had promised him and he'd show him and he let him see it, but that was it. He said you can't you can't go in but you can see it from afar. So 
It's easy to get distracted by this world. But we intently focus on serving the Lord. Being obedient and faithful and seeking out what He would have us to do. He'll direct our path, like the Scripture says. That's all we need to worry about. Focus on serving Him. He'll take care of the rest of it. It's not that it's going to be all primrose and sunshine and rainbows, but they'll have difficulty, but He'll make the way clear for us. I always heard, He got me this far. He can get me the rest of the way if I just remember that. Well, that's all I have for you this evening. We'll all stand to be dismissed.